Today we are going to be talking about New Year's celebrations and what we got up to, but also we've got the award season. It's upon us. It's here, Hollywood. (laughs) We are also going to be chatting about a well-known and much-beloved character who has lost his copyright status, and our man about town is going to be joining us in the studio to tell us what we should be getting up to this week. This is Culture Bites coming to you from the National News. I'm Inas Ferry, And I'm Farah Andrews. So let's crack into it. Hi. Hello. We are back. We're in the new year. Happy new year. Happy Can new we still year. say that? What is the date today? I just got told January off. January the 4th. I just got told off about saying that. It's like, we can't say it anymore. Stop I mean, now. It's still, I'd say this week. This After whole next week? week, don't even wish me a happy new year. But this week, <laughs> I can be wished. By next week, we'll be a month in. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. This morning, when I was getting ready for work, I was like... Oh, it's been 2020 for so, 2024 for so long. I was like, oh no, day three. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so what did you get up to? What did you do? Oh, very low-key New Year's for me. Oh, how about you? Quite low-key for me too, actually. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know, being new to the UAE. It's your first time? No. Well, no, it's not. it's not. I just caught New Year's last year um, after we moved here. And I was... And I was just quite excited about seeing more fireworks. The one thing the UAE does better than everyone else yeah. is fireworks. <laughs> it's so good. Um, and they were brilliant. I saw the Yaz Bay ones for Abu Dhabi. Yes, lovely. Really nice. I've seen a video on your phone. Inas does film her fireworks. <laughs> She's I, that person. <laughs> I am that person. I took my children um, down to see it at nine, which was really kind of them, actually. Because it's they very, very up. cute that they do a children's display. Yeah. I love it. Yes. So if you can find a children's display, it doesn't mean you have to put up with like screaming children. And silly string. Silly string is apparently a thing at the moment. Let's not talk about plastic waste. probably hear my eye roll. Yes, I heard that. (laughs) Boom, 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 boom. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what an eye roll is in my head. I like that. I've never heard an eye roll before, really. But now, (laughs) sound effects. (laughs) (laughs) We, um, We had, so from... Not from our house, from at the end of the road. Mm-hmm. We've got like a little lake that we live near. And from there, we could see fireworks on like, we're in Dubai. So in like Blue Water Island, we could see the tail of some of the ones on Palm and in JBR. And then one of the golf courses had um, a really big display. And that was nice. We just wandered down. Stunning. I, uh, this was at midnight, but there were quite a lot of families out, which was nice. Like, everyone was just kind of there watching Fireworks for free with no traffic. All we had to do was walk home. Nice. One of the houses on my street was having a huge party. Did I walk quite close to it? Did you to live try vicariously? No, I was wearing a jumper and sweatpants. <laughs> I'm always quite tempted. You know, like here, obviously, there's loads of big weddings in the in the big hotels. Oh. I am so tempted to gate crash. I have a wedding crash with you. I've never wedding crashed. I've never Owen Wilson. Shall we do? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's a place to do it. I don't I think I'll always be underdressed though. I think even to my own wedding I was a bit underdressed. Oh I mean yeah you and I are gonna have to go like rent a ball gown. <laughs> if anyone Especially wants to Dubai. rent a ball gown to us, <laughs> we will wear them and we will wedding crash. Um but we wouldn't do anything illegal at no. a wedding crashing. No. Obviously goes without saying. Yeah. Completely legit and above board. Yeah. We'll be, be friendly. I'm, I'm a fun person at a party. Yeah, I'll just go and have a nice dance, really. <laughs> so tell me, New Year's resolutions. I'm What's actually, on the... Come on. Oh, she's hesitating. It's all, it's quite boring. What? Oh, Yours me. are good. Mine, I'll start with my boring one. Um, it's, it's, it's just like be better with money. <laughs> 
And welcome to the UAE. Yeah. <laughs> I try, I'm, I've been really trying to learn how to save and also invest. Like, I know how to save, like put money in a savings account, but it's mm. not doing anything. So that's, that's it's, it is quite dry. I'll talk to our business colleagues. <laughs> yeah, talk to the business colleagues. I mean, they always have good articles. If you can hear the mm. drilling, by the way, Elephant we, in the room. Are, we are actually talking about our New Year's resolutions in a soundproofed podcast studio. However, the whole building is under construction. So we work in a building it. site now. It's very dusty. It's not felt it's very dusty and very coffee and noisy. And noisy. So, so apologies that. for that. But yeah, New Year's resolutions. So that's that's a good one though. I think getting a grip of finances is always something very healthy to do. Um mine is like really basic. Oh, is it oh, I always can't believe I'm saying it. So over the holiday period, and I think lots of people have been doing this, vaping has become a thing. And I'm not a smoker naturally. Like, yeah, I've taken a bit of shisha. Maybe the odd cigarette here and there. But I've start I started vaping. I haven't done it since this year. Oh, she's not vaped in 2024. She's a new woman. I'm a new woman. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I haven't vaped this year at all. And I'm hoping to just keep that going because it was it's just it's just not on brand. Mm. It's not on brand for me. Like it, I, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to alienate any mm. of our vaping mm-hmm. listeners, but I do think it's kind of cringe. <laughs> when I see people <laughs> smoking a battery, I just think Guys, there's more. No, but, but it's like a sweetie. And then, oh, I, I've, no, I've never bad. got on board with the. Um, and this isn't me doing like public, <laughs> public safety and public health notices. <laughs> do you, I just do you can't, smoke though? No, I've never been a smoker. Uh, I just can't enjoy walking through like a puff of lemon meringue pie, <laughs> well, which is an actual flavor that one of my friends had once. And I thought, what have you become? <laughs> you used to be cool. <laughs> you used to be cool. <laughs> You're now that. smoking lemon meringue pie. Although if yeah. I was going to smoke, I probably would smoke lemon meringue pie because I absolutely love lemon meringue pie. <laughs> um, I wanted to say one thing about um, my New Year's resolutions because in the attempt to save money, I've obviously spent money, um, and I bought a book. Oh, lovely. But wait until you hear the book's name. Wait, can I guess it? Sure. Saving for Dummies. No, I would never insult myself though. <laughs> We're le- I'm learning so much about you, Farah. It's even um, better. It's okay, called okay. Girls Just Want to Have Funds. <laughs> and it's a book that is aimed at women because so much investor content is aimed at men and people, mm. they, they basically do just kind of platform it to men. And yeah. so it's Girls Just Want to Have Funds. There's have... good podcasts as well by women about oh, about um, saving money and like looking after your money. You're so right though. There's a lot of like, I, I mean, you know, like bro... Bro yeah. podcasts? Yeah, like bro So, I had like, what was it? I had like two pound. I had like two dirhams in my pocket. And now, look at me. I got a Lamborghini. What color is your me. Lamborghini? I own the pump. <laughs> look at me. Look at me. I have 500 businesses. What I do traded. Do? I don't know. From one hair grip. And now I I own Jebel Ali Palm. Yeah. Listen to me, brothers. Listen, listen. You're wasting your time on the social media. If you're making social media, you should be making it to make money for you. And you're everyone. Yeah, it's a bit much. I'm going to, I'm like, I like and subscribe to your content. <laughs> like and subscribe. Shall <laughs> no, we? Don't do um, that. We're going to get cancelled. We've cancelled ourselves. We've cancelled ourselves. ourselves. Um, mm. But just listen, in two weeks' time, I'm going to start my own finance podcast. We could podcast. just change this to be your finance podcast. And you could just talk to us all the time about stocks or Bitcoin. That always gets everybody rallied up, don't it? Everyone loves a chat about 
So, <laughs> she rides no herself up. Moving this conversation on, Farah, um, what's your favourite season of the year? Oh, thank you so much for asking. Am I an autumn girl? No. Am I a summer girl? No. I'm an award season girl. <laughs> much like Moira Rose and Shit's Creek, where I saw that joke from. <laughs> so tell me, what is big about January and why is it so important for the glitterati? For Hollywood. Um, Hollywood. So yeah, basically, award season kind of kicks off in full force in the first week of Jan, which is where we are right now. It, um, for the kind of basics of it is films released the year before are eligible for award season. So that's kind of why we go up until December 31st for eligibility. Mm-hmm. And then award season kind of kicks off mm-hmm. in January. There are some awards ceremonies that take place in December. So there's obviously an exception to every rule. But the major ones take place kind of from the beginning of the year. The first one being the kind of big kickoff event the golden globes so they are happening next week they're taking place in the u.s on january the 7th but then time difference means it happens here on january the 8th so mm. um it gets a little bit because confusing. we're in the future we do live in the future yeah um and the golden globes um are kind of identified by many as the kind of the early predictors of kind of what's going to do well and what isn't going to do well in, in the oscars Basically, that's where it all kind of amps up towards Academy Awards, the Oscars, which are taking place this year in March. March 10th in the US, 11th here. Ah, because we're in the future. Because we live in the future. Um, So the kind of, we were going to talk a little, like, so Golden Globes are a kind of controversial ceremony. Why? I didn't know this. They've had, in their kind of voting system, they used to be owned by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Mm -hmm. And then there was an awful lot of controversy about kind of, there was, basically no diversity in their voting panel uh that now that has come up a lot yeah okay and that's come up in the oscars as well the um oscars are voted for in a different way Mm -hmm. but this is the kind of like the output and the end result and like kind of oscars so white has been something that's been spoken about a lot Mm -hmm. where the kind of only people that were winning big awards were white actors Mm -hmm. um but the kind of problem with the golden globes is that they did really did kind of boil it down to seeing the fact that there were I think it was 300 members of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and there was less than eight. Those numbers come with an asterisk, but it was that kind of mm-hmm. disparity um, were kind of non-white yeah. voters, which is wild, vast. And and so in June last year, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association was disbanded. So that does no longer exist. Mm-hmm. And it has been since it's been bought by a private company. So the Golden Globes are going to continue um, but it has a board of directors who are now going to select and accredit journalists. So it's still a journalist-run awards ceremony, um, and they are going to be the Globe's anonymous voting members. So we still don't know who is exactly voting. I don't think we know how many, but we are kind of understanding that there will be better diversity because it's been disbanded and kind of re-pulled together mm. off the mm. back of the kind of controversies of the last couple of years. Um, Golden Globes are film and television, which is quite nice. Ah, so right, break it down to me a bit because we've got the Golden Globes, we've got Emmys, and we've got the Oscars. These are the main ones, right? So we got Golden Globes. Then we have the Critics' Choice Award, which is um, quite a big ceremony, kind of in the run-up to one of the major ones. Obviously voted for by film critics, mm-hmm. so kind of taken as quite a high standard of awards. Primetime Emmys, they are television. Television. Then we have the Baftas. They're in the UK. Um, in the run-up to the Oscars and then the Academy Awards. 
Mm-hmm. A kind of other little side side hustle is the Grammys. They've got nothing to do with film, but they kind of do get lumped in with awards season because you just see all the celebrities on the red carpet in their nice dresses. Grammys is musicians. Yes, yeah, just So music. you get like more of the musicians but, Yeah, so it's not a film. It's not... And Hollywood. not anybody can go to these awards. You have to be nominated, right? You are nominated in the industry. You're connected to the awards. You winners from last year often mm. hand out the awards to the people that get them this year. Ah, um, yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about predictions? Predictions. Uh, yeah, we, we can. Uh, I can't think of anyone I can predict. The kind of big conversation so obviously last year was not the best year for film or television because of the strikes because so many like everything got pushed back we spoke about it so much on the podcast yeah a lot was delayed and there were kind of like not the big releases so films still did come out like we still have films in cinema but we didn't have the big fanfare um biggest fanfare was obviously around barbie and oppenheimer and both of them have been nominated we we haven't got the oscar nominations yet but golden globes we have for barbie and oppenheimer both nominated for golden globes they're looking okay Mm -hmm. for kind of getting awards, but a lot more people are kind of identifying Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, which Mm, is the film... I haven't seen that yet. Neither have I, about the Ostage people um, in Oklahoma in the 1920s. It's a film about um, Native American land and um, Leonardo DiCaprio is in it. That's another Leo film. Yeah, he stars opposite Lily Gladstone. And both of those actors are being kind of earmarked for mm-hmm. Best Actor Awards, mm-hmm. Best Actress Award. Mm-hmm. And then in kind of comedy and musical, which because Golden Globe separates with like drama and then comedy mm-hmm. and musical, uh, musical, that would be kind of like where your Barbie's going to come through as a potential for yeah. a win. But then another film that is looking like quite likely to trump her is Poor Things, starring Emma Stone. Poor Things. I haven't seen that either. Rami- Maestro, isn't that a musical? And Maestro's also, so Maestro with Bradley Cooper, he has been kind of pegged as a potential for Best actor. He he directed it as well, so he could get a director nod. He's been nominated. Mm. Um, Poor Things looks good. It's a kind of female Frankenstein kind of vibe with Emma Stone, Rami Youssef, who is... Love Rami Youssef. Yeah, and Willem Dafoe. So that's looking more likely to get the kind of comedy musical award. That has not been released here yet. Okay. It's, it's quite rude. Is it? So it might not go into the cinemas. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. That's okay. It might stream. It might stream. And then... You can use your own discretion as to whether or not... You want to watch something that's a bit rude. Yeah, exactly. That's okay. So then then television, the big names Uh, are... Are we going to mention The Bear? I mean, yeah, obviously. (laughs) The Bear is going to win comedy. Okay. Is it? Yeah. Do you feel like it's funny? It's in the is it is in the comedy drama in the comedy category. And okay, yeah, I do think then. there are moments Whatever. of comedy. Yeah, no, there are. And then Succession is just going to clean the board. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was looking through um, in prep for this. Look at me, I prepped. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Succession actors have been nominated for either best actor or best supporting actor or actress. Amazing. So they are winning. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's Jeremy Strong, Kier- Kieran. Kieran Culkin and Brian Cox are all nominated for um, Best Drama Actor. So they can't all win. But in some ways they all do. Who would you have? I, I'm saying Brian Cox. I mean, I really like Culkin. So do I. I think he's really good. And I, yeah, I think I just, I, lo- I liked his character. And I think that he actually made the character yeah. in so many ways. Like not that Brian Cox, and all, you know, it's my favorite show. Yeah. Right? She said it's that. my favorite show. So I, I do think they're all fantastic. But I did, I did feel like Kieran Culkin held that role and made it into something so iconic that you cannot separate him in some ways from that now. Yeah. 
And it also is very Jeremy Strong's character of Kendall just to not win it. So it yeah. <laughs> Kendall can't win it. Kendall can't win it. <laughs> not spoiler. Oh no. Listen, if anybody is watching this and or listening to this podcast and doesn't watch Succession, really sorry, because that must have been a bit boring for you. <laughs> <laughs> that gag was just a little bit boring. Fell on deaf ears. Um, yeah, but is it award season? I'm hyped. I'm ready for it. I will be getting up super early and writing about it and reading about it and enjoying it. So what time does it air here and how do you watch it? Um, they're all different. But they tend to kind of start like red carpet will start at 3am I don't wake up for that but the awards shows because it's in LA so it's a 12 hour time difference yeah it tends to be about 5pm in LA 5am here big things start kicking off because then they all go party all night yeah so they get the, the awards ceremony is actually the bit they just want to get out of the way so they can just go and party yeah in their lovely gowns oh so lovely I just I well, do you, well there'll have to be like an Oscar special where I all I do is talk about the gowns because I care about them a lot I think we've already been discussing about Met Gala and that we oh, should just yeah. do something that's very show and tell. Huge plans, baby. So something else has happened uh, this week and we're going to be moving on to the loss of a copy of copyright to a little yeah. cartoon character. Let's look back. Let's let's look backwards after looking firmly forwards. Yeah. Mickey Mouse. The very original cartoon. Ren rendering depiction depiction of Mickey Mouse has lost its copyright or I should say more accurately his copyright has expired so this took quite a lot of um understanding for me so <laughs> I was gonna say right explain it to me because I've come to this I mean I have read up about it people okay I do do some, I've done some reading but explain so this is very US specific right okay in the US, copy, copyright expires after 95 years, but there are a couple of caveats. But the main thing is that if if content was produced before 1978, mm -hmm. copyright has a, a shelf life of 95 years um, in the US. In 1976, there were some new laws written and that came into effect in 78. So everything kind of changes at that stage. But obviously, that means that kind of like the characters that we know as like some of the most famous and iconic, like Mickey Mouse, uh, they were kind of originally created in like the early 20th century, kind of like 100 years ago, 95 years ago. And so that's why, yeah, Walt Disney's original depiction of Mickey Mouse and the kind of character that has um, had its copyright expired is from the 1928 short black and white film called Steamboat Willie. Yes, um, I remember seeing this. It's that depiction of Mickey Mouse that has... So they're kind of black and white. He's got a longer nose. Yeah. So it's that according to the parameters of fair use, oh, wow. it's only the character portrayed in the black and white short that has been made available and not Mickey himself. So it's not like the kind of Disney emblem that we see everywhere. Like the gloves, the red... No, no. It's, it's the character from Steamboat Willie. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it is really interesting. It's the kind of fact that these characters, obviously, for our whole lives, our parents and our grandparents' whole lives have kind of, like, been around, um, are now kind of, they've had such a powerful, like, life cycle and they're kind of coming, like, copyright is expiring. So, I, so the, you know, the doors are open. Yeah. And so we're, we're, we're flinging these beloved characters into the world because there's no longer any copyright. Yeah. So there's like a few kind of coming up that um, we've kind of identified as the n like next characters that are going to be like their copyright is, is going to go public. Oh. So you've got Pluto because ah. he, he will potentially be made available in 2026 because he made his first appearance in 1930. And okay. then... 
going from there, we've got like Donald Duck and Daffy Duck in like 2030. So it's kind of looking forward. And then interestingly for DC, Superman and Batman will be, um, their copyright will be potentially, um, their character will be potentially available in 2034 and 2035, followed by Wonder Woman. In wow. So, but what does this mean? Does this mean that people can then take these images and not get sued? Yeah, it means that the character can be used elsewhere. So, what we kind of <clears throat> the kind of most famous case of this happening in recent years is with Winnie the Pooh. A mm. A A Milne's U.S. copyright on Winnie the Pooh expired on January the first, twenty twenty-two. So that was like ninety-five years after. So that's like kind mm-hmm. of like the first day of the ninety-sixth year, mm-hmm. and kind of what we saw almost immediately was a horror film um, <laughs> with Winnie the Pooh as the main character, which I have the name of the horror film. Oh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. <laughs> <laughs> they really pushed the boat out with and that. So that's going to be out this year, <laughs> next month. We might see the kind of, the way we've, so we've, yeah, we've spoken about Winnie the Pooh and the fact that the character has been taken into the horror realm mm-hmm. and then yesterday was the day that the kind of Winnie the, uh, the Mickey Mouse character was kind of public property and what was the first thing we saw? Another horror. Yeah. Huh? It's going to be a horror film. Really? A horror with Mickey Mouse? And, I mean to be fair he's quite scary a big giant mouse. And also <laughs> a video game. So Mickey so the horror film is Mickey's Mousetrap and then there's a video game called Infest, Infestation 88 mm. um, and the um, video game had its trailer release yesterday. So obviously the kind of question is like why people why the kind of first reaction is a horror or video games I guess it's like kind of like subvert it's like subverting like the very familiar and like what we mm. like we know this character so well so we don't kind of have to like create like a big backstory for a character and then there's just like a real shock factor of when that character is terrifying mm. but I don't think that the Winnie the Pooh the Winnie the Pooh film isn't out yet it's out next month but there was definitely a lot of conversation about it when every single one of the trailers came out people react to it and I guess that's what filmmakers want right yeah it's provocative definitely like at its core to do something like that with a character which is a childhood character I suppose it goes back to like how we you know make horror from clowns exactly that's like, what I was, literally I was just clowns, thinking the fact that yeah something it, so like we use, can be scary exactly we use those kind of things which you associate with comfort and then we make them into Chucky you know oh. a, a doll or um, I, I'm not a scary movie gal on myself. I've never seen any of the It films. They're the ones with the scary clown that lives yeah. in the drains, right? Yeah, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. I, I wouldn't see anything like that. I've not. Why? The world is a terrible, horrible place. I don't need to scare myself. Some anymore. people like watching it though, just to kind of. We've spoken about the fact that I'm a catastrophizer, so my <laughs> brain does this for me. But some people like seeing worst case scenario play out on screen, then kind of be like, mm, "It's always going to be better than that." I think it's also the endorphin release from horror. I think people like that kind of fright factor and it just gives them a little zing. Oh, I, I don't. Ooh. I can get zings elsewhere. <laughs> I don't want a zing from it. Chocolate. Uh, yeah, that's a good Roller coaster. Thing. We've spoken about lemon meringue pie. <laughs> and it's my favourite time of the podcast. Here we are. It's when we bring in man to tell us what to do around town. Hi guys. First of all, happy new year. Happy, happy new, new year. year. Happy new year. Uh, what to do around town. There's so much in the new year to do. So the first thing I want to talk to you guys about is an amazing show mm-hmm. by an Emirati conceptual artist called Afral Dahiri. First of all, do you guys know what conceptual art is? It's okay if you no, don't. I don't. I don't. In it's my okay. head, I'm like, do I know it? If, but now you ask me for a definition, I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I, th- I always like to think I'm so clever. And I'd be like, yeah, like, yeah, I go to conceptual uh, art shows. Yeah, I go to galleries. <laughs> Lots of people just have heard the phrase, but they don't know what it, it means. So conceptual art is um, art that is more about the concept or idea as opposed to the execution of the mm. art. I actually... Give me like Come a good prepared. example. Oh, oh, yes. Here he is. So I have He's a quote us. <laughs> by the famous conceptual artist Sol uh, Lewet. So he said, when an artist uses a conceptual form of art, it means that all the planning and decisions are made beforehand and the execution is perfunctory as a perfunctory affair. Meaning it doesn't kind of matter what the art looks like. It mm-hmm. could be my jacket, this chair, you know, a hair tie. And as, as long as it's in a gallery space and there's an interesting concept behind, it's considered art. So is that like the banana stuck to the wall at Banana stuff. Oh. Uh, no, it was in Miami, was it? That was in Miami, yeah. There was and a then, bit of blue tack once, I remember. I went to go and see the Tate. Yeah. And it was to symbolize nothing. So it's quite smart. Usually there is a big concept behind it. Mm-hmm. Now, conceptual art has changed over the years. And now, it's, it's you know, there are uh, strains of it that are focused more on the, the technique of the materials. So it looks good, but it's mainly conceptual. So this artist, Imarti conceptual artist, Afra, so she has a show called Give Your Weight to the Ground. So it mm. consists of six sculptures and two paintings, and it starts with the concept of hair. So she was interested. <laughs> Everyone looks at Inas. <laughs> what, what? Why are you looking at me? <laughs> yeah. Me? Something about me special? <laughs> <laughs> so it started with this idea of when she was young and her hair would fall out, as, as it does, and her mother told her to bury her hair in the houseplant soil because it nourishes the plant, because apparently hair nourishes plants. And so she became really interested in this idea of our bodies um, going back to the land and helping the earth to grow in some way. So she started with this idea and created artworks about the relationship between the body and the landscape, the body and the land. And she uses uh, material like stained wood, concrete, um, and uh, ropes to symbolize hair mm-hmm. to create these sculptures that are like quite colossal and they're like geometric and some of them are very like soft uh, looking and very curvy and you walk in and it's the way they've had the lighting and the way the sculptures are are curated in the show it's kind of a space where you feel you have to be quiet and just like watch do you know when you see a big amazing sculpture and you just have to just sort of be quiet and observe it yeah she managed to sort of create that kind of sense of awe in the space and they're big they're 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 pretty big they're not like huge not Burj Khalifa size but they're pre- <laughs> but they're big literally nothing, nothing. on earth <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually yeah <laughs> nothing on earth <laughs> But yeah, so she has done the show about, and what's really cool is that she planned it so meticulously. She re, um, she built the gallery in her studio, the exact same dimensions of the walls, and she created the works and reorganized them so she can create this perfect experience for the audience. Wow, and so, she's yeah. Emirati as well, she's which Emirati. is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really cool to see an Emirati artist working in the conceptual art art field. So go check that out in the Green Art Gallery in Al-Sakal Avenue. Fantastic. Yeah. Good to go. Yeah. So next show that I think you should also go watch is at the Sharjah Foundation. It is a retrospective of a South African artist called um, Jontas, Gavin Jontas, sorry. And it is his work from 1973 to 2023, uh, so almost 50 years. Now he's, like I said, a South African artist. He was born the year the apartheid regime started in South Africa. So wow. a lot of his work, and he is a painter, printmaker, curator, writer, all of his work has been about the black liberation movement uh, and the apartheid ended in 1992. And even after that, his work really focused on that. Yeah. And actually, again, 
I come prepared with a quote. No. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm We're just learning today. so much today, Farah. <laughs> this is an educational podcast. It is. So this is a quote from the curator of, of, of the show at Shajar Foundation, uh, Salah M. Hassan. And he says, As an artist activist, Jantes has engaged head-on with the tensions between Western modernism and classical African art and the trope of primitism in Eurocentric art historical discourse. So what that means is that um, Jantes looks at what people have always seen as primitive art or African mm. art and creates work that bridges kind of or creates a conversation between what is real art or good art. Because mm. um, I'm not sure if you guys know, but Pablo Picasso, a lot of the time he used African art to compare to Western art or he used it in his art and referred to it as primitive, 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 primitivism. I can't say that word now. Primitivism. Primi primitivism art. <laughs> We're yeah. all learning. We're all learning. So um, he kind of creates these conversations about, you know, what is African art? Mm. Is it like sort of like traditional art or is it up to the same elevated level of what Western art is? And is Western art, should should that be elevated? Mm -hmm. He kind of creates all of these interesting connections between the two. Well, mm. Cubism was massively influenced by African yes. art. Yeah. So I think there's loads of influence which, which has happened like across the board. Right? Exactly. And I think it's the same idea of there shouldn't really be this hierarchy. It's no. all different voices that are sort of talking to each other. Do you think that Western we... Western narrative of a hierarchy, though. Yes. Yeah. Do you think that sometimes the, like, the term even primitive was used just towards things which were culturally maybe more ancient? Ancient or different, or as a way to differentiate, like, ancient. this is... It's like the other, isn't it? It's Yes, it's, it's othering. And, it's... and I think artists like him are so interesting because... He's coming at it from his perspective, but he also has the Western school of thought of art as well. And so he's bridging that gap in a really interesting way. And listen, if you're not even interested in these kind of conversations, just going there and seeing his work, it's really epic. Mm -hmm. Like he has big, amazing paintings. He has small prints. He has print works. And you just see his, you know, his over over the last 50 years and how his art has changed. It's really fascinating. Mm, I think a lot of artists are trying to bridge that gap yeah. as well. So I think there's like lots of takeaways from an exhibition like that. That's yeah. really interesting. Is yeah. that exhibition running for a It's running while? until March, the end okay, of March. So, so it's on for a while, yeah. There's okay. even a small documentary where you hear the artist talk about his work uh, in the 80s, I think. So there's there's lots to do there when you're there. Okay. Is it quite bold? Yes. I love that. Yeah. I love Color? That. Big color? Color, bold, color, um, big pieces, big compositions. And it's so cool seeing how he's, his, his work at the very beginning of his artistic career and then now what he's doing and how different it is if you put mm -hmm. them side by side, but then seeing how they connect as you go through all the galleries and see how his art changes. Nice. So that's why I love retrospectives because you see the whole thing, you know? And like a chronological journey. Exactly. So what's so nice about Oh, mm. Yeah. Right then. So last thing on your list that you want to tell us that we should do, see... Yeah, I mean, it, it, oh, controversial. Oh, are you guys hesitant? Brace yourself. Man's about to cut all of our ties with Netflix. <laughs> I thought Netflix were on the phone to us, didn't they? Oh, no, no, no. not after no, this. No, listen, it is in the top 10 movies to watch on Netflix. Yeah. It is an entertaining movie. It's called Rebel Moon, it's a sci fi space opera. Do you guys know what a space opera is? My yeah. husband's yeah. obsessed. Yeah, so it's like a big, yeah, spaceships, big drama, you know, big quests happening in space. Yeah, and that as well. So this is by Zack Schneider, who people might know him as a director of 300, you know, that epic film that came out like over 15 years ago, I think. I don't remember. I was too young. Yeah, I was still in primary school. 
Um, but it is, look, it's a big sci-fi, beautifully stylized, wonderfully choreographed film that you will enjoy looking at. However, the story is lacking. You kind of don't really... So basically, it's about this woman with a mysterious past. Her name is Cora. She lives on a planet on the edge of the universe wow. in a farming village. And then one day, the most powerful army in the world <gasps> show up to this village and they're like, of all the random villages in the universe, we want your grain for our soldiers. <laughs> and if you don't give it to us in 10 weeks, you're all just going to die. Wow. So oh. she decides to go around the galaxy and find five soldiers, just five, I think five or four, to help bring down this huge army that has randomly chosen their village. So on that premise alone, it makes absolutely no sense. Well, I I'm trying to find the words because you're saying it doesn't make any sense. I mean, the farming on the outer outskirts of the galaxy. It's a, it's a barely planet. Makes sense. It's okay. Actually, it's a moon. I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, Can please. you farm on a moon? Yeah. Okay, right. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Um, I'm okay. not an expert in this genre. Mm. But I don't think it's meant to make sense. But no, it, it sounds a lot like Star Wars. This is the thing, is that people are like, this is just a ripoff of Star Wars and The Last Samurai, I think. And he's kind of like, look, and it's normal for these directors and writers to take things and be influenced by mm -hmm. things. I mean, Star Wars was influenced by Dune, you know? Yeah. But it's about how you disguise and change them and make it unique. And the problem here is that it's not very unique. And there's a lot of exposition, like a lot of stating the obvious. Like throughout the whole film, they're like, they keep saying literally, we're just humble farmers. We're just humble farmers. <laughs> That's like, how I talk about myself. <laughs> yeah. I'm just a humble journalist. <laughs> like every five minutes, it's like, okay, we get it. We've seen you in the farm being humble. Like don't keep telling us that you're humble farmers. You know, it, this kind of stuff just like... Sometimes it's nice just to escape and just to be told. Is it a bit of a mindless watch? Hundred percent. And guess what, guys? Oh, I have another quote, <laughs> and this one is by this really obscure but very very cool writer. He wrote a review about this on the National. His name is Manjala. You might have heard oh, of him. Ma. I don't know. Have you guys heard of him? Oh my god! I read his things every day. All the time. Same. <laughs> So he wrote, in his desperation for epic moments, Herbal Moon forgets about the intimate ones, instead delivering microwave popcorn entertainment, which uh, without much to feel, connect or remember. So it's fun. I'm sorry. I'm not letting us just move on from you quoting yourself <laughs> when you could have just said it. I know. I, I just felt like I was going with a theme I used to quote before. I'm like, might as well like round up with a quote. Okay. Um, quote, if you can't quote yourself, that. who can you quote? Listen. Yeah, exactly. If you can't and quote I yourself. And I said, I love that. And you were delivering... <laughs> You were delivering sound bites in that review. Oh yeah, perfect. <laughs> sound bites and sound effects from this podcast. So if you want something to watch that, you know, is just entertaining and fun, go for it. But don't expect that your life is just going to change. I mean, did anyone go to a sci-fi? <laughs> I, know, I know what you're about to say and I'm going to stop you right there. Yes, of course. Our lives changed after Star Wars. Of course, okay, our lives changed enough. after Star Trek, please. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Well, some um, of our lives. Question for people like me who have the tendency to fall asleep when watching films at home. How long is it? Uh, it's not that long, actually, because it's the first of two, I should say. Another thing oh. that really irks me, I think movie should be three movies, a trilogy, or just one movie, or a show. But this is just two. Hmm. So it's a saga. Uh, so I think it's like your standard two hours. Is that the definition of a saga? I Don't quote me, but I believe so. One of quote. two, because it's called Rebel Moon... Child of Fire Saga 1 or something like this. Oh. So, I'm yeah. not 
sure, but I do also want to be like, that's wrong. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> we can we I, we can circle back on this. Should we just, next week? Can we put a pin on it? Yeah, we put a pin on, on it. I'll find I'll find a quote on sagas. We'll arrive <laughs> and we'll clear up the saga about sagas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Um, That's it for today. That's all we've got time for. Thank you very much. And if you like this episode, please follow and subscribe on your favourite podcasting app. See you next week. Bye.